Fuck yeah, static. fans and welcome to the very first episode of the something something roller derby podcast aka the ss roller derby all aboard i'm your host hammer abby and i'm joined by alligator my longtime associate and roller derby teammate in the mad rolling dolls hey hey that's me (laughs) thank you so much for joining us in this episode we'll be talking derby history with mouse our home league's longest skating member and owner of 608 skate shop here in fabulous Madison, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. We'll introduce a segment to give advice. And, uh, oh, by the way, you can write to us and ask for advice, whether you're new to the sport or an old salty sailor. We're here for you. And speaking of, you can hit us up directly at ssrollerderby at gmail.com and on Facebook and Twitter at ssrollerderby as well. So find us, you know, interact, ask questions. We want to Yell at us. You. I don't know, whatever, whatever yeah. comes up. So, um... So here's the deal. We're starting a podcast. Why the hell are we doing that? (laughs) Great question. Uh, So Allie and I have talked about this for a while. I've been thinking about it for a while. We are both, um, in addition to being skaters, we're both announcers. Mm -hmm. So we like the sound of our own voices. Because they're so beautiful. They're so good. Right? (laughs) (laughs) But we also really love roller derby. And uh, I'm just going to lay this out. We have no intention for this show to be about stats or... Um, who's playing who and uh, predicting outcomes or anything like that. It's, don't ask me about the Woofter rankings. We'll talk to someone else about that because I don't know. Exactly. It's not our it's not our thing. This is much more of a kid is it like a human interest roller derby podcast. We are interested in chronicling derby history, some of the cool old stories about where things came from and the battle days and just neat insider information from from folks who've been involved since the beginning. Because fortunately, Allie and I get to be friends with a lot of these people. Oh, I know. I know. I feel like I snuck in. Like, (laughs) I'm not a first year, like, original, original skater, uh, but I kind of snuck in under the radar, and so everyone thinks I still am. (laughs) Well, how long have you been skating for, I am about to be starting my 11th season skating with the Mad Roland Dolls here in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm, so here's our bona fides. So Allie is a 11-year skater. Yep. You've, and what have you done in that time? What have you? What kind of teams have you played for? What have you, where have you been? Uh, I originally was drafted to a team called the Quad Squad, my home team. Oh, uh, with the Mad. Too. Oh, you don't say. That's so crazy. Oh my gosh, I love superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was originally drafted to the Quad Squad, skated there for a year, and then when uh, tryouts came up for Dairyland Dolls that summer, I said, I don't want to stop roller skating because whoever does. <laughs> and so I decided to try out for Dairyland Dolls and made it. And so I... the Dairyland Dolls are the Mad Roland Dolls all-star team, the ones you see traveling and playing at uh, WFTDA events and such. Yep, they are our charter team. We have an A team, a B team. We also have another C team level team called Team Unicorn, which skates for the magical love of roller derby and rainbows <laughs> and pie. glitter and pie. Yep. Um, anyway, 
back to that story. Uh, <laughs> so I have skated with the Dairyland Dolls for eight years. Uh, I'm still skating with the Quad Squad after all of these years. I still skate with Team Unicorn. I was captain of Team Unicorn when they went to Paris and uh, played the uh, Paris Roller Girls. And wasn't that like the first instance of a international team like there was some sort of historic element to that I felt like that not on the Paris one team unicorn did one of the first international games I believe when they went up to Hammer City in 2007 that's it that's it yeah and it might have been for like a sea or non-charter team because I feel like maybe Montreal might have done that earlier on Ah. the east coast in some way shape or form this is some of the history we can figure out in the future and do stories about I know okay so you got to go to Paris though and play the team there I did Uh, I've gone to RollerCon lots of times I like to talk about roller derby and like to make noises about roller derby, so I also announce. Uh, so you can catch me on WFTDA.TV or many other fine establishments and unfine establishments. <laughs> and in those re- of ill repute. Excellent. Uh, uh, so I'm uh, doing that after all of these years, and I uh, like uh, still being involved, and I continue and uh, plan to still be involved in roller derby. So forever. Well, you know, it. You know, it's it's in the blood. <laughs> after a while, after it's uh, gets in yeah. you. So yeah, it's true. Uh, there's worse ways to go. I'll tell you. <laughs> sure. So basically, Allie has been around. She's seen some things. She's done some things. She's felt some things in her body. So you know, like a pretty good resource. And I will say, I'll pivot this to to myself now. Um, Hammer, what have you done what in roller derby? Done? Well, no, I wanted to say because <laughs> when I when I really first joined, you and I had sort of made friends with each other outside of roller derby mm-hmm. through the burlesque scene in, in mm-hmm. Madison. Yeah. Um, and so it was really nice to have someone that I knew. And so, for instance, the first time I went to RollerCon when I was brand new, I wasn't even drafted to a team yet. I got to go and and meet a lot of really great people through you because you're sort of our like secret ambassador from from Madison. It's just because you're I'm, friendly, you like talking to. Folks. I mean, it, let's be honest. I'm the not secret ambassador because for <laughs> many anymore. years that was one of my league jobs was league ambassador in visiting skater liaison. Oh, uh, it was great uh, because yeah, I like to chat with people and I like to meet people. Um, and roller derby is the same all the world around somehow in all of our weird it's stories and connections. Language. So, uh-huh. um, and it's really nice to be able to connect with people on that level because you all love the same thing right um, and you get to meet so many interesting people from all over the place that you might not otherwise get to connect with because of it yeah. so I, I just wanted to say I appreciated that oh. a great deal so that brings us back to I am about to start my fifth season Ooh. with the Mad Roland Dolls which would be my sixth year of roller skating yeah. uh, when I was uh, so here's the fun fact though way back in the day uh, I was a, a fan and attended Mad Roland Dolls games when they first started so the Mad Roland Dolls was the fourth uh, WFTDA league formed in the world, the fifth to publicly bout uh, in 2004, and then 2005 is when the bouts happened. And I was at some of those in this like cramped roller skating rink here, up like sitting on lockers, just like yeah. packed in, ridiculous. A not, thousand and, people in a place that was not coded for no. that, and they found out about that. Whip it was based on many true stories. <laughs> we were not the only okay, person the fire, fire marshal broke yeah, in on. Yeah, so <laughs> I was a fan for many years, and I really wanted to try out, and I actually did initially try out, or intend to try out in 2006. I showed up at one of the fresh meet like onboarding yeah. days. And I, I got the call back from Cracker Jack, one of the league founders. Like, ah! hey, you're in, come, we want you to skate with us and do this thing. And I was like, great. But then I was like, I have no money. And I just got this gig because I, I play the drums and I'd just gotten a gig in a musical that was going to be a paid gig. And I was like, I can't afford not to take this. So I didn't do it. Uh... And then it took years for me to get my shit together, basically, mm. and finally, finally do it. So I uh, joined first the Mad Wrecking Dolls, mm-hmm. Madison Wreckers Roller Derby, our awesome recreational league. Love them. Skated with them for a year, got 
drafted finally to the quad squad. Mm-hmm. I've been playing with them ever since. I've been I was captain for two years of that team. Captain Hammer, Captain aye, Hammer, aye. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I've played for Team Unicorn, and I've also been on the Dairyland Dolls B team now for three seasons. I want to say I had three beautiful, glorious months of technically being on the charter. <laughs> you were on that charter, baby. Just flew, you were on it. Flew too close to the sun and got bumped back down to B. Still doing the work. So getting that work done. Uh, I, I will just say that you know we all have experiences with all the ups and downs of roller derby and mm. the different aspects of it. So that I hope we can bring that to the podcast in terms of some of our advice and our stories that people can relate to, hopefully. And let's be honest, there's feels in roller derby. There's some feels in roller derby. I believe we haven't mentioned it yet in this podcast, but we will be mentioning it many times after. <laughs> all the there's feels, feels on eight, eight wheels. wheels. <laughs> oh God, that was like we planned it. Um, so. Yeah, that's that's my basic roller derby backstory. I'm actually also now recently elected general manager of the Mad One Dolls. Ooh, hey, <laughs> all the responsibilities, uh, none of the pay. I'm happy to do it. Is the, is the important thing? <laughs> You're gonna kick its um, ass. I'm gonna uh, yes, intend to kick its ass. Uh, but um, so that's my my current status in the league. I was a long time PR manager as well, and then of course because Ali has already talked about this, I have been an announcer. So I've had the mm-hmm. great pleasure and privilege of announcing for several WFTDA playoffs and championships. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Roller kind of done some announcing and some skating. Um, I did a Midwest Brouhaha, and then I never, I don't never ever get to do it otherwise because mostly I'm skating. But I it's know. like that's the thing that I love to do, and that's an amazing community in its own right. Yes. Um, and it's the thing that I will be able to continue to do to stay involved involved in roller derby yeah. when my body gives out someday because again it'll happen we'll all die our <laughs> bodies will give out but, but roller our derby will still on. be here yeah <laughs> as i am in fact 35 years old and started skating when i was 30 so yeah you know it's got, yeah. a, it's got an expiration date on it. but feel you girl right feely girl i mean there's it, it feels different these days like recovery is a lot harder but uh i'm also I, it's nice i feel like i'm in the best shape of my life now so high five we got some that because that's a thing yeah like every every like milestone birthday i was like not in the greatest shape at 25 and then joined roller derby and then 30 i was like uproar on the lake shore in chicago i feel like a million goddamn bucks and i think that this might be the best i've ever felt in my life <laughs> it's funny how that works i know 35 turned plus like man i'm doing even better than i was right? before so like, you know all you you young whippersnappers coming up and kicking all of our asses coming out of junior derby which is awesome just know that yeah the soreness is going to get worse the creakiness is going to get worse but you can still there's it's an upward trajectory for if you, you play your cards right you can you'll be good for a while you know, yeah. just got to be kind to yourself but that's Self-care. that's something else we will talk about on the show so getting back to what can you expect from this podcast um some of the things that we are talking about is future stories feature uh features and interviews and segments um derby history for sure mm-hmm. we'll do advice on everything from gear to um emotional well mental toughness yep, emotional well-being and physical toughness that goes into that training cross training yeah. working out nutrition uh gear a little bit of gear talk i'm not a huge gearhead we'll probably like if you have questions we'll do our best to find people to answer them for you is the, yes. is the trick because i don't think either of us are big gearheads no. but then something else we want to talk about too and really explore are the stories too and interviews of the other people in derby yes. the knock on wood other people in derby for the skaters by the skaters really by everyone in i was gonna say derby. i want to change that motto it's for the roller derby community, by the roller derby community. For because, the derbs, for the derbs, right. by the derbs. Bit, right, that's that's much more succinct. I like it. But here's here's the fact, folks. Roller derby is not just the skaters, and that's the great thing about it. There's a place for 
pretty much anyone and there are communities and support and awesomeness around all of them. So we are going to talk to NSOs, we're going to talk to referees, we're going to talk to announcers, we're going to talk to photographers, all these folks who make Derby what it is and we're talking to them about their experiences, some advice about if you want to get involved, some of the shit they've had to deal with Mm -hmm. and how we can do better as a community to support them. Um, And the cool thing is we have access to some pretty amazing people from all of those communities, especially given that Mad Roll and Dolls has an incredible officials crew called UDO. The United Derby Officials Local 608. That's it. And I believe still one of the two largest crews in the world. Yeah. In all of the derby world, UDO reigns number two. (laughs) (laughs) Which, given that Madison is a city of about 300,000 people, it's Fucking impressive. I think what they might only be behind Angel City's like I heard it was parks rat. and refs. Rat, really? I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe that's out of date now. Oh my gosh, We're gonna um, find give out. me a call. I wanna know. <laughs> find us out. <laughs> but regardless of, of that, it's a it's a huge Give cruise. me a ref stats. I don't wanna know skater stats. I, I wanna, wanna ref know ref stats. stats. <laughs> but right size doesn't matter, it's the quality, right? So uh here's the thing. UDO has like incredibly quality uh refs and NSOs and stuff, and they they go everywhere. I, I mean, look at like uh John Obst is the the ringster guy. I don't in, like, know if all you of know the WFTDA, John Lane as we know him here in Madison, long time, like, just ran the bouts, basically. Mm-hmm. And he was now... bout production for years and yeah. years here and and did such an amazing job with, obviously, the help of all of our other volunteers. But, yeah, he somehow got wrangled into helping at a tournament and... Woo-hoo! The rest is history. Oh, WFTDA loves that man. Yep. So. so we will maybe see if we can wrangle him and do a little bit of an interview, talk about his past. He's a, he's a, he's a soft-spoken man, doesn't like to toot his own horn, but I think he's probably got some good insights. So that's a, that's a sampling of some of the stuff we'll be talking about. There's a lot of themes and topics and... Um, uh, things that we'll, we'll be working on for sure. And we will be posting about some of this uh, on our Facebook page and elsewhere. So, uh, But obviously, if you have suggestions or anything like that, you, the the listening public of, I don't know, our, our close friends and loved ones, hopefully some other folks as well, please do drop us a line. Again, you can reach us at ssrollerderby at gmail.com or via Facebook and Twitter at ssrollerderby. Um, we're around. That's uh, that's Alligator, and I'm Hammer Abby, and uh, we're going to take it to the next segment probably in just a second. But here, so that theme song that you heard at the beginning of the show, I just want to give a little shout-out, is my band Damsel Trash. Ooh, yes. A little song called Sex on Eight Wheels, which is going to be our theme song for the show. Because it's royalty-free. It's my band. I can do what I want. Thanks <laughs> thanks for letting us use that for free, yeah, Hammer. It was real nice of you. No problem. No problem. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing. If you are in a band or a musical outfit or you sit in your bedroom and you make electronic music or something like that, and you would like us to feature your music on the show in the future and are willing to let us uh, do so without paying you because we don't have any money. This is just um, two people in a microphone. Uh, but just we would two love... people in a microphone. <laughs> but we would love to play. <laughs> play and promote uh, roller derby associated music on the show so please hit us up with your tunes jingles what have you whatever you're feeling so inspired to share and we will happily play it and promote it so let us know like your name and any social media stuff and other shout outs that we can give you to sort of pay you back for that as best we can um so that's all of our plug that's the intro that's what you're going to get on this podcast uh stick around for you know the meat of the content that's coming up It's time.
time for a segment we call Dear Hammer Abby. Oh, this is where I get asked advice and do my best to answer it. Uh, this started out because I have a Tumblr blog, Hammer Abby one <laughs> com. should you uh, be curious about that. And I started getting questions from people out in the Derbyverse just about all sorts of random things. And yeah. I have done my best to answer them. And uh, it was sort of delightful and rewarding and hopefully helpful for folks. So we'll kick it off uh, with a question I did get on the Tumblr from an anonymous uh, asker, and uh, Alligator's going to help me out here by reading the letter to you all, and then I will read you my response. It's going to be great. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Yeah, so anyway, Anonymous asked, Hiya! Any advice for getting back on track after you've completely embarrassed yourself? I'm fresh meat, and I skated worse today than I did the first time I put skates on. I wiped out so many times that I actually sat out the second half of the drill because I just couldn't take falling so much and feeling like my body was quitting on me. I pride myself in not doing that, though, and I feel embarrassed and mad I gave up. It's such a stupid thing, but I feel so badly. Any advice would be great. XX. Which, you know, is just sort of heartbreaking when you get something like that. But also, I think all of us have had these feels at various times. So, that's hard, for sure. Totally okay and understandable to feel frustrated. The trick is always what you decide to do next and what you learn from it. One of the things I love most about roller derby is that it's a sport that encourages you encourages you to fall and then get back up and to do it over and over again. I've been at this for five years now, and it's almost six, and I'm really proud of how far I've come, but I still fall and I have to get back up. I still have days I feel like I've taken two steps back from the one step forward I managed the day before. I keep coming back though because I know it's the only way to get better, grow, and learn over time. Nothing happens if I stay home on my couch. At least if I show up, have a hard practice, I know I've already done more than most. Because if this was easy, everyone would do it, right? And getting better at something, finding those successes, only feels good or happens at all because we were willing to keep showing up and putting in the work, even and especially when it was super hard. When I was first learning as fresh meat, it felt like I'd never get to point A or B, whatever those things were. For me, turnaround stops or staying upright as a blocker when someone hit me. But I just kept showing up and working at it. And one day I turned to look and realized I was on the other side of all of a sudden. I was on the other side of it all of a sudden, doing those things without trouble. But there's always something new to learn and some new hill to climb. That's what makes it great, great, and great, and keeps us coming back. There is no perfecting it, just improving and learning. There's always something new. So on those really hard days or weeks or months, pick out and hold on to whatever bigger reason or angle you have that will keep you coming back. Why are you there? What do you want to get out of it? What did you learn about yourself on that shit day that you can use to help improve yourself tomorrow? Even the seemingly small successes are worth their weight in gold too. Just getting yourself to practice in the first place is a huge success, so let yourself feel good about that. And then find any other small thing that worked for you and keep that in your pocket as you address those things that didn't go so well and need more work. Most importantly, don't be afraid to ask for help, feedback, encouragement, whatever you need. Even the highest level athletes need positive affirmation sometimes. Good luck. You've got this. Oh my god, it's time to talk about RollerCon! RollerCon! <laughs> so, um, I've been to a few RollerCons, but Allie's been to like a billion. So, she just got back from one this year, so we're going to give you some 
um, cool insight into what the hell RollerCon is. Mm-hmm. Maybe some tips and tricks for attending your first one. But first, Allie's going to give us a lowdown on like what the shit happened this year. So, um, Allie, what is RollerCon? Well, RollerCon, for some of you that don't know, is this amazing conference that is all roller derby in the desert in the summer every year and it is goddamn glorious las vegas in the summer nothing (sighs) more brutal well guess what it's inside now it's true it used to not be um but it is now think of a day when you used to skate on a flat track which could be any surface on friedmont street in the goddamn sun. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I'm really glad that's not really the case anymore. Yeah. So anyway, RollerCon happens over what, like four or five days, I believe? RollerCon happens over five days from a Wednesday to a Sunday. It is held at the Westgate Casino in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Who formed it? Who started it? Uh, it was started by our friends Casey Bomber, Chola, and Ivana S. Pankins. Uh... And they decided they wanted to have a party, and uh, they didn't want to, again, they didn't want to stop playing roller derby and skating roller derby, and they wanted to go have parties with the roller derby friends. Sounds about right. So they decided to go do that and go to uh, Vegas. So they did that. And in 2004, and those are some of the people, too, Casey Bomber and Evil E, are the very first derby wives. That is where... Derby Wives founded and came from, from oh, RollerCon. Oh, we might talk to them about that in the future. Mm. Uh, I feel like we, we know Casey. Like, I little, feel like... Maybe there, I know who that is. There might be a story or two be behind story. that one. Yeah. So yeah, like uh, the very first RollerCon, kind of, the idea started in 2004, but it really started in 2005. Um, and it's been going ever since. It's had some international uh, and some other really interesting forms over the years. You can read about that online. <laughs> uh, and you should know your history. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to cover it all right now because got time. ain't got time for that. Um, but now it is run by Trish the Dish, Legs and Bacon, and Ivana S. Pankin, still the kingpin of RollerCon. Yeah, she is. Um, getting it done year after year. Um, and, and improving it year after year, too. So yes. the system that runs everything, how you sign up. So you can basically, you can take classes from mm-hmm. some of the best skaters in the world. You can skate in challenge games. You can skate in just black-white scrimmages. You can do off-skates workouts and workshops. Yeah. You can party at night. You can swim in a pool for 20 24 hours if you want to. You can get stupid or You can healthy. swim in a pool that is shaped like a uterus oh, for 24 yeah. hours if you want. Bonus. I mean, yeah. I mean, they have really Sky's stepped it up the over limit. the years. And let me tell you, they have found quite the home at the Westgate. That's true. So, so tell us a little bit about this year at RollerCon. I know, for instance, that you skated in some really cool games, including one that you helped found called the Decade of Derby Bout. What's that all about? It's true. Um, a few of us a few years ago were sitting around the pool thinking, oh, Next year is going to be the 10th roller con. Huh. I wonder who's been at all of those roller cons. I wonder who's been still skating after all these years. And I'll be honest, selfishly, this was also because that I wanted to skate in a decade bout when <laughs> I hit 10 years. And so, as in the story of Derby, you do the goddamn work yourself and yep. you get it done yep. so that it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started making a list of all the people that we knew that were going to be hitting 10 years or had already hit 10 years. Um, and that list grew and grew and grew on the very first year. I think we had barely enough people to fill like rosters of 14, 15. <laughs> and it was a full length bout and it was exhausting because I'm not sure if you know this about old roller derby. We didn't usually go slow. We didn't usually stop a whole lot. We went real fast all the time. <laughs> and it's exhausting sometimes, but it is exhilarating. So basically this is about where uh, all of us old fuddy-duddies and people with cranky knees get together and uh, wear fishnets mm-hmm. and have fun and make dumb jokes about the old rules and reminisce in weird ways. Don't you like, you? I've, there were pivot line stars 
starts. There were knee starts. There are all sorts of whips yep. that go on. This year, the refs actually let us do single whistle and double whistle starts oh, for a while. Shit. And I hear that there were people out in the crowd that were like, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> oh, and, and no, your history. And there were other people that were just like laughing their asses off yeah. and like, this is why this is happening. Well, and tell me the story about the brawl that happened the oh. first year that you did this. So the first year at RollerCon, you know, we're like, oh, we're going to do some fake fighting and stuff like that. And basically we had planned that someone's going to take someone down. And uh, then both benches cleared and there was a giant uh, pile up in the middle of the track. Uh, And uh, Hammer texted me later afterwards saying, what the hell happened in that bout? The penalty board, question mark. Because I'd gotten a picture of the whiteboard, which was still a thing at the time, the inside whiteboard. It had that one giant G written over it and a whole bunch of G's <laughs> and a bunch of other columns and stuff. So what, were, what was the giant misconduct for? That's because the head ref was standing with a smile on his face in the middle going, white 82, misconduct. Black, da, 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 misconduct. <laughs> da, 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 da. You one know, it was hilarious. So usually the, uh, the bout will end in that. This year, uh, we did a many of things. There was some good pivot line starts. There was a really lovely jam where uh, there were two jammers from one team, the black team, the team I was not on. Uh, I believe Scratcher in the Eye was one of them. And the ref continued to try to call her out and continued giving her penalties. And like at one point was like just yelling right in her face as she is just lapping and like still jamming, giving no shits. Like, <laughs> so like with a smile across so a second, her face. A like, second jammer. Uh, she was the second jammer, yeah, still yeah. scoring points, but was just yelling, Black 263, return to your bench. In support, the second, like, and just, that'll be too. You know, like, it just kept yelling in her face. And she said, too, like, later, I was like, oh, my God, that was the funniest thing. She's like, you know what was even funnier was the fact that I looked over, and at one point, he just disappeared because he tripped. And then oh, a moment no. or two later, he just reappeared and was there again. And Still I was like, calling you on penalties all the <laughs> long day. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, like, the refs didn't get it until about halfway through the bout when people, like, I think that bout was the switching point where, like, they realized that, we didn't give no shits, and we were just going to play roller derby. It's just a, just a weird fun. It's not the the rules don't matter quite. I'm going to pull the helmet cover off the other jammer and run away with it. <laughs> I'm not going to go to the penalty box. <laughs> just just gonna, just let's let, yeah. Let's, we're just doing this now. We're All just right. Doing this so now. one of the other bouts I want to talk about too, because mm-hmm. I think this is a really cool idea. Um, there was a, a bout called Spoonies versus. Uh, fork, fork cancer. cancer. So what was that all about? What's the, what is that whole thing? Yeah. So fork cancer, uh, kind of ex- self-explanatory. Uh, they were skaters that were made up of people that have been affected by cancer, either themselves or by members of their family. Um, and the Spoonies are a group of skaters that are from the Roller Derby Invisible Pain Support Group. That is a group online on Facebook, um, which you're welcome to come look up and join us. And so that is a safe space for members of the roller derby community who suffer from autoimmune issues and chronic pain issues, uh, things like fibromyalgia, connected tissue disorders, Crohn's disease. So a lot of injuries, not injuries, but uh, issues and diseases and things and uh that yeah. you can't necessarily see. You don't. You don't exactly. look at someone and go, "Oh, I know that you have this issue." Yeah. It's like this is just something that someone deals with. Exactly, and it's an invisible illness. Is and right and is also something that really affects people, and people have a really hard time dealing with, uh, both as individually and also how they relate to their teams. Sure. And how their teams relate to them, because if they look like they're dropping out of drills all the time, that could be seen as lazy. That could also be fibromyalgia, and that could be a lot of pain right. that that person's in and struggling through things. So. Um, 
so going back, the Spoonies uh, is this uh, team made up of all these people from this invisible pain support group. And on all of our jerseys, we wear our numbers, but instead of our names, we wear our disorder. Oh, wow. So people have Crohn's. People have uh, Hashimoto's. I wore EDS, which is Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is a connective tissue disorder. Uh, and so it's people really standing up and saying, like, I am an athlete, sometimes very high-level athletes, mm-hmm. and I deal with this. Yeah. And uh, it was a really emotional and really powerful bout to skate in um, on both sides, I think, from uh, both rosters. And it was really fun, too. That's, that's fantastic. Um, so this is, this is something I want to note, too, that we intend to talk more about on the show at some mm-hmm. point, do some segments about people who deal with these sort of issues and and giving sort of just something like if other folks out there are dealing with this, like this is something we can talk about and provide some kind of support and connection to, which I think is important. And as kind of a really brief, quick thing. So there's, again, this is called the Roller Derby Invisible Pain Support Group. You can look them up on Facebook um, and you can request. Uh, There's other, a couple other groups. I'm just going to mention real quickly in case like you're like, that's not quite my thing, but man, I have a thing that's really close to that. What could my thing be? (laughs) If you have issues with old nagging injuries, there's a team or excuse me a uh, Facebook call a group called the gimp crew uh, if you have need support with mental health you can visit the mental health in roller derby group if you are struggling with concussion symptoms you can visit the roller derby concussion support group uh, and then if you have compart- or chronic compartment syndrome, you can also check out uh, a group for that. Uh, so we'll post links to all of this stuff in the supplementary material yes. with this podcast. <laughs> uh, so you can find direct links and things like that as well. Yeah, so lots of bouts uh, happening over RollerCon. Uh, I skated in nine over five days, some full length from and some half length, uh, all Super rad. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a theme for just about anything you could imagine at RollerCon and things yeah. you want to get involved in. So Yeah, one was Dayman versus Nightman. Ah! Uh-huh. So, you know, it's all sorts. So thinking about, uh, you wanted to give a shout out to, because I know that you teach you teach some classes at RollerCon. Yeah. So which, I, is, which is great. There's a sort of an opportunity to, to make a little bit of money slash your RollerCon entry back by giving back to... Roller around by teaching some classes, right? Yeah. And it's some really, really great uh, instructors that come and do that. So yeah, I know that you did some and had some interesting experiences this year. Yeah, uh, I got to, uh, I was able to and was, uh, so I got to teach two classes, uh, two uh, versions or two times of uh, my Hitting Hurricane class, one to start the conference off on Wednesday morning and one to close out the conference on Sunday evening in which a unfortunately a visiting skater from Mexico uh, did fall near the end and break her clavicle uh, because unfortunately in roller derby it's a contact sport and all all that stuff Um, but unfortunately our friend went down Uh, we did take her to the hospital and stuff and she is recovering now Um, but if you would like to donate to her medical costs and uh, ongoing medical care that is definitely something I know that would be appreciated uh, so I'd like to give a shout out to Nyla uh, she is uh, uh, from Mexico and she is going to be up in New York City for the next six months uh, healing up and then also skating with Gotham and studying and then taking her derby knowledge and amazing uh, world knowledge back to her home and to her league and uh, want her to do that safely and want her to do that the best that she can. Right, so, what a pain in the butt to, to hurt yourself, to injure yourself in a foreign country mm-hmm. generally, but of course one with our 
ridiculous healthcare system. So definitely, if you're able to ever support someone that that is the case with, please please do chip in what you can because it makes a difference. Yeah, and if you need it, uh, we will post a link to it on there. We sure will. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we gotta we gotta finish up our roller con segment here, Allie. So yeah, uh, just a couple other little, little shout outs. Um, shout out to DJ Agent Meow and Lady Scratch. Holy cow, the best music. So many, so many bouts I skated in or were watching and or like just walking through the hall and then hearing like what was going on over. Well, and what can I say? I'm pretty sure DJ Meow has been posting playlists about (gasps) some of the parties that I know that he DJed Mm -hmm. and sort of like themes for different days and stuff like that. So if you look up DJ Meow on uh, Facebook, I believe, Mm -hmm. you can find him in some of these playlists. You can hear all the rad music that was getting played at RollerCon. And just to note, if you're not familiar, uh, DJ Meow also famous now in the derby world for having picked the most perfect song (laughs) when Rose City finally beat Gotham at championships a couple years ago when he played Bob O'Reilly by The Who and the final moments and I think the, the entire venue lost its goddamn mind. One of my favorite moments that I've ever been part of. So amazing, person. yeah. So, um, yeah, they're, they're both fantastic DJs and we're fortunate to yeah. have them. Uh, tiny note, one of my derby dreams came true uh, where I was skating in a bout and Diane Tward came on. Oh. Um, because let's be honest, at a home bout, you're never going to have, I I think you're freaky, come on while you're playing roller derby. In front of a family-friendly audience. No, you never are. Um, (laughs) And so there was a glorious moment where I was lining up on the jam line, and I think you're freaky came on, and I almost cried. I almost cried. It was glorious. Uh, So, yeah, amazing music all weekend long, or all week a week long, really. Yeah, really. Um, a shout out to our trivia team. We still blame Dolly Rocket that won the Derby Trivia Happy Hour. Uh, Derby Trivia is super awesome. And if you don't know that reference, uh, expect a future historical segment to explain why Dolly Rocket is important. <laughs> but we, we do love Dolly Rocket, but we do still blame her. Of course. Of course. I mean, you can you can do two things at once. You can hold multitudes. Um, <laughs> we all contain multitudes. You can hold multitudes. <laughs> it's so true. It's true. All right. And then a one last thing. What? RollerCon. They got an app now. Oh, what? snap. There's an app. There's an app. They're taking uh, feedback and stuff for next year, but it was awesome. The layout is so much... Uh, um, it gets better and better every year. I don't want to say it's more awesome than last year. It is more awesome than last year, but that's in no way a, a diss to last year. No, as year. I say, it's always pretty awesome, Ugh. but I think they're constantly sort of figuring out better yep. ways to make things run smoothly. And I know Ivana was talking about actually sort of relaxing some of the mm-hmm. really nitpicky rules that they have and how just trusting people to do the right thing actually ended up being a really great experience for everybody, which is a nice thing to hear yeah. in this day and age. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we're that's, that's RollerCon in a nutshell from this year. Thank you for the, the recap. Alley, I'm really sad I couldn't be there this year. Yeah, and obviously that does not care, you know, cover half of it. Oh I mean, no, I didn't talk about any of the parties. Really, I didn't talk about any X, Y, Z. No, everyone has their own stories. Uh, maybe you want to tell us some of those in a oh, future time. Totally. If you want to <laughs> drop us a line and tell us some fun stories or um, even advice about how to attend a roller con or anything like that, you can always drop us a line ssrollerderby at gmail.com, and we will have future segments on tips for first timers as we are leading into the future roller con sessions and. Allie has her finger in the air emphatically, so I think she has something to add. Oh, I just need to say uh, a long and beautiful, but not really long, I need to say a shout-out to our friend Tara and Busta Armoff oh, yes. of Notorious. Uh, R-E-D. For they, Notorious for th- R.E.D. is coming to an end. It did. They sold out. They sold out everything, and they were both in Elvis costumes on Sunday oh, morning. Oh, bless. Um, 
I love you both, um, and you will be sorely missed. Uh, and Derby will be all the stinkier without your beautiful product. And also, I can't ever say the Notorious R.E.D. Uh, jam liner penalty box again when I'm announcing games. I always will in my heart, though. Oh, yes. I always will in my heart, because you can play clean. Oh, I didn't. I messed it up. You messed up the motto. Oh, smell clean even if you play dirty. There oh. it is. I'm sorry, Tara. Smell clean even if you play dirty. There it is. Welcome to a segment of the show that we call Clockwise Talking, because we think that's a terribly clever way to talk about the history of roller derby, and we have a very special guest who is slowly disrobing as I speak, because it's very hot in this room. <laughs> just slower and slower. I know. Well, this is a great way Thanks to kick things off. Thanks for including that. You're welcome. I just wanted to make you feel very comfortable. Oh, I am. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's Mouse! Everybody. Yay! <laughs> Mouse is a 13 going on 14 year veteran skater with the Mad Roland Dolls and this wide world of modern roller derby. Uh, she's played in every, we're going to call it seasonal WFTA uh, year end tournament because they weren't always called playoffs or regionals or anything else, but she's she's been around is the point. They weren't even always in the end of the year. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so at some point in the year, the, the WFTA uh, tournament thing. Uh, she currently kicks ass in the Dairyland Dolls, which is our charter team, and in her newer role as the proprietor of 608 Skate Shop as well. So taking on a whole new role as a, you've gone from like the league's gearhead to now yeah. like officially doing I'm like self-dubbed running. equipment manager. <laughs> <laughs> it's really convenient to have a skate shop in the rink where we practice. I'm just going to say that. I, yes. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and we were just noting, this is a cool way to kick off the segment, I think. So apparently, very recently, August 19th, was the anniversary of the first travel game that the Dairyland Dolls played back in 2005. They went and traveled and played against Gotham, right? And it yeah. was the first interleague game in all of the sport that didn't involve Texas, Arizona, or Tucson. Yeah. Never forget. Yeah. Yeah. First game, first interleague game east to the Mississippi, in other words. I think that's how we were calling it at the time. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so, and I, and I, and we beat them, by the way. I was going to say, you were for <laughs> a forget. long time on when, I, when we would announce at tournaments, we get these little uh, info sheets that tell us the history of all the matchups of the teams that are at that particular tournament. Mm-hmm. And for a really long time, Madison was the only one that had any record of wins against Gotham because yeah. it was what was the last one was like 2007. And we have two, we yeah, there's two, two wins against Gotham. Yeah. It was that one, and then we played against them at the first Dust Double in 2006. Yep. So that was always my favorite thing to note on broadcast as a, you know, just a little bias toward my, my home team. Wow. There, but, um, so we're going to talk a little bit about tournament history and sort of how things have changed over time, especially the structure and rankings, some fun facts about that, because like I said, Mouse has been around, seen it all, done it all. Um, but let's start out with the basics and get the story of how on earth did you first find Roller Derby in Madison? How'd you stumble onto it? Oh, geez. Roller Derby found me, because uh, I wasn't, I guess I kind of was looking. I was, like, very, very open to roller skating, and I had a pair of, like, shitty Goodwill skates. Oh, can I swear? Oh, sure yes. Good, swear as good. much as you like. Great. I had a pair of shitty, I'll say it again, uh, Goodwill skates, you know, like a lot of people do, um, these old, like, 80s figure skates, and I had taken them out on the bike path a couple of times by myself and I had asked all my friends if they wanted to go roller skating with me at any point in time and 
I always got this like, well, I'll go bowling, but I don't want to go roller skating because I don't want to <laughs> break my ankle or something. And I could not find any friends that enjoyed roller skating the way I did. Like, I've loved it my whole life, and I just felt so alone, and I couldn't find anybody that wanted to roll around with me. <laughs> and one day, my roommate at the time, um, I was picking up some of her dirty dishes from the coffee table, and I picked up uh, a plate that had some pizza crust and some ranch dressing on it, and I was really bummed and, like, really grumpy about a lot of things that were going on at home at the time. And I pick up this plate, and there's this flyer for Mad Roland Dolls underneath it, and it was, like, this cartoon drawing of a woman hoisting a helmet in the air, and she's wearing, like, a crop top and hot pants and roller skates and pads on her elbows and knees, and she's got a black eye and missing a front tooth, and like it's there's this rainbow across the top of the flyer that says um hey girls feel like getting hardcore and then it had all the recruitment information about the the party at the wisco and this was like i think less than a week away from when i encounter this piece of paper and my roommate wasn't home at the time so i wasn't able to ask her about it i found out later that somebody just was like rolling around town literally like you see in Whippet where there's just people on roller skates like fluttering flyers into the into the breeze and just seeing where they land and this one happened to land at the bookstore that she worked at and she she could give two shits but she knew that I was looking for somebody to roller skate with so she brought it home oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so hi Jill it's all your fault um so uh and the, the the other part of this that I really love is that I was um, scheduled to work like well past the time that the party would have been over the night of that recruitment party. And uh, the person who was set to relieve me was supposed to come in between 1030 and 11 at night. And the party, I think, started at like eight. And uh, he ended up showing up at like 745 that night. It was July 11th, 2004. And and he showed up at 7.45 because he was having electrical problems with his car. And so the car <laughs> ran fine, but he couldn't operate the lights. And so he just ended up going into work early and oh. took over for me because he couldn't drive his car at nighttime. And just completely, like, I was heartbroken sitting there at work. Like, I can't believe I'm missing this thing. I'm blowing it. Like, I, this is, it was one of those moments where I was, like, contemplating quitting my job over this. And, you know, it was like... I was just torn up inside like it was it was torment and I was just figuring out like I don't there's no contact information on here like I don't have the internet I don't have a cell phone like how am I I don't, I've never even been to this place called the Wisco before I don't even know what I'm getting into I don't know anybody else that's going and I just felt like if I miss this I'm missing like the biggest opportunity in my life and this guy just showed up out of nowhere and told me the situation with his car and like before he was done telling me that I was good to go, like, I was already in my car, like, so starting the ignition. a series of just complete happenstance. Yeah. Events. Serendipitous. Yeah. That got you there. <laughs> yep. Yeah, That's pretty fantastic. much. Pretty much. And, like, I knew the moment I saw the flyer that I was going to do this. Like, I just knew. And so just being stuck at work, like, I'm, I'm a pretty loyal friend I'm a pretty loyal employee like I'm not the type of person to just like quit a job on a whim you know that's like so a really needed, really scary thing for you me needed this I happen. needed it or else I just would have missed it and I would have had like the saddest excuse ever to not do this thing and I should mention real quick just because people who are listening to this aren't going to know the Wisco is the most delightfully shitty dive bar <laughs> uh in Madison and it is it is now what we call the home of the Mad Roland Dolls because that is where that was the very first recruitment meeting that you're talking yeah. about that yep. was literally the very beginnings of the league yep 
That's crazy. Yeah, even before that recruitment party, that's where our founders met and gathered and, you know, like, signed their their uh, business paperwork to, like, actually start the LLC in the first place. Because a little bit of that stuff was had already been rolling for a couple months before the recruitment. They had to get some things in order before they invited a bunch of people. You know, like, <laughs> hey, we're doing this thing. Um, you know, they had a logo and they had a name and all that stuff was, was just getting started um, and real, before and real quickly, in. mention the the two main founders of this, and yeah. I think it's worth mentioning that there was a connection and how this yep. happened. Because you know, Madison is not we're like a te- we're a city of maybe three hundred thousand. We're sort of this small yeah. market technically, but we mm-hmm. have this huge league that's been around forever. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. So the origins of Mad Roland Dolls, the origins of my roller derby career, started in Austin, Texas, like where the origins of all of our roller derby started, really. (laughs) Um, But we uh, are very fortunate in Madison to have a direct, um, a direct link, a direct uh, connection back to Texas. So one of the original Texas roller girls, Lara Bell, um, uh, Lucille Brawl, has a sister who lives in Madison. They both grew up and went to school in Madison. And Lara moved down to Austin. I'm not sure when, um, but uh, she got in on that original uh, iteration of the Texas Roller Girls, and when her big sister Colleen, aka Crackerjack, went down to Austin to visit her um, with her best friend Rebecca Pandemonium, she saw what Lara Lucille was doing and was like, "No fucking way!" You know, like we need this in Madison. <laughs> Women need this. The world needs this. This is amazing. And I, I can't think of two better people, two more incredible people that we could have been graced with to, uh, to take that idea with so much passion and so much energy and 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 bring it to Madison and give it so much life for as long as they did it's uh, i mean we're very very blessed and fortunate to uh, to have those roots mm-hmm. well yeah and such a long term deep roots that's been around for so long yeah. at this point is yeah. pretty yeah. pretty awesome so my next question is then because we're going to ask this of everybody who comes on the show I think it's just a fun little story. Uh, and this went, went really well when we did this with our recreational league recently on Facebook. They were asking this question of people, and I, I love the stories that came out of it. So how did you get your derby name? I think I was born with it. <laughs> it's like... Uh, yeah. I'm not kidding. What is it, Maybelline? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's born with it? Maybe it's Mouse. Mouse. So you were, called, um, you were called Mouse before you joined Derby. So I have been called Mouse by my mom since I was probably like three. Um, I am the baby of the family. I'm the youngest of four siblings, and um, I'm also like physically the smallest. So... Uh, you know, and I like small spaces, and I like to be sneaky, and I like cheese, and I like candy, and I would find those things when I wasn't supposed to find those things, and my mom <laughs> would try to hide them, and, you know, I was always the one that was, like, nibbling on her, like, secret candy bar stash, or, <laughs> or like, just weaseling up in between the blankets to, like, snuggle at nighttime or whatever, or, like, hiding in the cupboard when I was supposed to be doing chores, or, you know, like, <laughs> under the dining room table in between everybody's feet when we have company for dinner or something like that. Like, yeah. So... Well, and it translates well now, because yeah. as a jammer, it's kind of like, you're the, the sneaky one who fits through small spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I knew. I mean, I think I knew when I got to the Wisco that night, like when I knew that names were a thing that people had, like I had, I vaguely remembered watching a little bit of roller derby when I was a kid, like those little 
little blips that you would see like in between American gladiators <laughs> and whatever mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Um, in the, in the early to mid eighties. And, um, you know, I kind of remember like real name and then some like announcer given nickname for their style and then their last name. And that was kind of the way they called people out. And so I always thought that derby names were kind of that kind of thing. Like, you know, I would be called like my real name and then mouse and then whatever. But <laughs> I was really excited to hear that like we can actually just fully embrace the derby name and we don't have to include our real identity at all if we don't want to. And mm-hmm. most people chose not to. Um, just talking about that and being introduced to that at that time in my life was a really exciting concept. And I think it's really awesome that we've continued to foster that for people that want to, but not like force it on people that don't want to. Right. I sort of like that we have the option and I hope we always have the option, frankly. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's a really interesting facet of roller derby that people downplay, but I think it's a really powerful facet of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, A little little side question of what is your skating background prior to derby? Oh, um, I love to roller skate. And one of my earliest memories in life was roller skating. Like one of the first moments that I remember as a person, like as a tiny, tiny person, was uh, my mom and dad took me to a roller rink. And I think they took, I I think they took me and my siblings. Um, I don't remember a lot about it. I, I remember it being dark with flashing colorful lights. And I remember having each of their hands in my hand, like one my mom was on one side and my dad was on the other and they were kind of suspending me above the floor and I had roller skates like dangling from my feet and every once in a while they would lower me enough that the wheels would touch the floor. (laughs) But I was too small to, you know, like be left on my own, but they wanted to skate. Like both of them were really graceful skaters and they enjoy that sensation too. And then um, as I got, I mean, I begged on a daily basis to go back to that roller rink. I mean, I, that's an, that's my second memory as a child is just like daily, when are we going back to the roller rink? When are we going to have to go? I was obnoxious about it. And uh, to like keep me occupied in the meantime, I remember watching the Winter Olympics in 1980, whatever, when um, Dan Jansen and Bonnie Blair uh, had their incredible rise to fame and their incredible dramatic stories about winning the gold under all this adversity and um, I remember uh, rooting for Dan Jansen because of what was going on with his family and this tragedy and and how passionately he was um, pushing himself to compete in that moment and just like not even having a grasp of what that must feel like as a kid but still having so much admiration and awe in him as an athlete and then simultaneously like by his side is Bonnie Blair who when they both had their speed suits zipped up like I could not tell them apart and that was a really profound moment in my life to look at Bonnie Blair's thighs (laughs) and and realize that a woman can be as strong as a man or stronger or whatever like to to just see that level of muscle on on her figure uh, was my was was the moment that I learned that that's possible for me too. And um, I remember that actually. That's, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and that same set of Winter Olympics was Christy Yamaguchi, who just had so much joy and mm. style and enthusiasm, and she was so happy and so pleasant and just so like grateful to be out on the ice every single time she performed, and she like so energetic, and I just loved watching her. So, like, watching these skaters as a kid, um, I was also very fortunate to have a a pond near where I grew up. So in the winter, I spent every night 
out on the ice um, emulating them. I had no like formal training and no, um, you know, lessons or anything like that other than my mom and dad showing me some basic things and, um, and just cruising around themselves and kind of giving me some like in-person inspiration. But I just like, I would just go down there with my Walkman and my, and my tapes. I would have like my snow pants stuffed full of tapes. Yeah. <laughs> and there was like a, a certain little spot that I would sneak off and pee when I had to. And like, I would just spend hours and hours and hours just skating around on the ice by myself. Um, and in the summer, I, I had a friend who lived up the street from me. We lived on a cul-de-sac, and uh, luckily we didn't have a lot of traffic at all. And, um, and she lived up the hill from me, and she had a little cul-de-sac down, like, two, two driveways over from her house. So I got when I got roller skates that were, like, good enough to leave my own driveway in, like the, the real leather boots, and I think they had Care Bears or Strawberry Shortcake or something on the side, maybe Rainbow yeah. Bright. Um, there were a couple different waves that I, like, tore through, but... I would skate up to her house, and again with the Walkmans, like we recorded mixtapes, and then we dubbed them so that we had the exact same mixtape copies for each other, and then we would like synchronize and press play at the same time, and like choreograph routines to Mariah Carey and Belvive DeVoe and Millie Vanilli. This is my other skating experience, was just (laughs) roller skating outside in the sunshine with my best friend, Um, and like challenged each other to like learn how to jump over sticks and like learn how to turn around backwards and like that's where we took some of these like figure skating things that we saw and tried to like see how long we could glide on one foot and Mm -hmm. so like this 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 neighborhood that we lived in was kind of shaped like a j and i was down at the bottom of the j the curve and i would skate up and to one side of it was Annie's house and the cul-de-sac. And then down the other side of that cross was was a downhill with another like cul-de-sac on the bottom of it. There's two dead ends. So the, the other thing we would do once we got a little bit more mm-hmm. adventurous was to bomb that hill mm-hmm. and see like how much speed we could get at the bottom of it to like cross over and carve really, really fast and like skate halfway up it again with the momentum that we got going down. So I guess like just... That's All a, of these conditions in my good, life yeah. trained me pretty well to just like turn left and go fast and <laughs> um, and love skating to music. Yeah, yeah, that covers it. That's a pretty good background. Yeah, love it. Oh, very, very privileged, so very right blessed. Uh, well, not to that was delightful. I'm turning the subject a little mm-hmm. bit to yeah. more. So we've got great personal history now. Let's go to like great. <laughs> Derby specific history Uh Um, because we were talking before we jumped on the mic here about some of the history of how um, you know like the playoff structure has changed over time like how you started before there were even it was sort of regionally based Um, and I love to talk a little bit about that especially let's start with the history of how we've ranked teams in the WFTDA because that was kind of mind-blowing when I learned how that sort of progressed over time because there's so much debate now about Mm -hmm. how should we do rankings what should the calculator be what should the calculus be behind it yeah and divisions and ones and twos and how do we all fall into it we're not going to dig super deep into all of that specifically because that's not our jam but I would love for you to talk a little bit about where it started and how we initially did rankings and why and how that changed and then we can talk a little bit about why and how just strategy within Derby has changed some of the big moments that really altered the game yeah. significantly that you noticed along the way. Yeah. So uh, I became a Woofter rep in 2008 when I became a travel team captain and uh, an interleague manager for our league. And uh, prior to that, I guess most of what I knew about how things worked um, was, was through Cracker Jack because um, she had done all of those roles um, 
prior to me taking over. 2008 was the year that we hosted Derby and Dairyland, the, the second ever Eastern Regional. And um, so the only one that happened before that was 2007, uh, Heartland Havoc and Wicked Wheels of the East. And, um, and prior to that, uh, so basically the history of WUFTA tournaments was, and the, the history of, of WUFTA Interleague was in 2006, 2005 was our first interleague game. Like you said, we played against New York in August. The following weekend was the first roller con. Um, and that's where a lot of people met people from other leagues for the first time and started talking about, oh, we should play you, we should play you, we should travel to this city, we should travel to this city, and started networking and setting things up. And uh, and then we hosted our first interleague game that December, 2005, against um, the 10 City Terrors from, from Phoenix. And, uh, so at the time people, the, the concept of tournaments was still in under construction. Like people were still talking about like, oh, people were just still talking about getting more and more leagues to play against each other. Like that was the focus Mm -hmm. from 2005 to early 2006. And I think, uh, gosh, it must've been like November or December when we first found out about Dust Devil. Uh, that was being hosted by Tucson, and that was coming up already in February of 2006. So uh, Cracker Jack informed us that we were going <laughs> <laughs> um, based on our performance, well, based on the fact that the, that all the teams that were members of the WFTDA thus far were invited to participate, and this was going to be like the first chance for all of us to get together under one roof, play against each other, and just kind of like see where things shake out. Like this would be the very first... Uh, standard by which we gauged like how good everybody is and like I think there were 30 participating teams at the time oh wow in the tournament itself yeah it was it was a lot it was a lot so the way that this worked out was um the first day everybody played a bunch of uh 20 minute games against a bunch of teams everybody was 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 separated into a bunch of chunks uh chunks pools. thanks <laughs> <laughs> um we were all separated into pools and i remember that they all had weird uh desert names so i think there was like a scorpion we were tarantula uh, maybe there was like a, a rattlesnake um and i can't remember the other one um cactus or something no they were all like they were all like scary <laughs> scary desert creature pool names um so you played everybody in your pool and then based on that like the people who performed the best in their pool advanced to play other people that were the best in their pools and so on and we played you know we we did pretty good in our pool we we played um azrd for a second time we had played them a few months earlier like i said we hosted them and then we played new york uh Oh, who else do we play in the shorter games? Windy City. We played Windy City in one of the 20-minute ones. I'm sorry. This is going all over the place, but... I'm just impressed you remember all of this. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm digging deep here for some of these specifics. But, yeah, I remember we played Windy. That was a big deal because that was the first time Chicago and, Minnesota, and, and Madison faced off against each other. We played them for 20 minutes, and we shut them out, which was also a big deal. That uh, This was, like, the beginning of a series of... Uh, meetings with other teams and Madison where they 
they said never again and basically came back and kicked our asses within the next couple of years. So it's like Wendy and Gotham. Yeah, so Wendy, we, we we gave Wendy a never again experience. Um, Gotham, we, we got to play a full-length game against them. This time we were playing three 20-minute periods for the full-length games what, by what? Saturday. So we played a full-length against um, uh, Tucson and a full length against Gotham. We beat Gotham, I think, 140-something to 70-something. Seriously, how do you remember this? <laughs> when you beat there, Gotham, you remember. When you I beat Gotham. The of it. Nope, yeah. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so then that happened, and then they announced at the last day of that tournament, after Texas won the championship, they had a big announcement for everybody to gather around at the end of the medal and tr- uh, trophy ceremony, and that's when we were informed that Rat City was hosting Bumberbout later that same year. And it was going to be uh, an invitational, so there were only certain teams that were going to be invited, and they, that was yet to be determined, and blah, blah, blah. And then we found out maybe a few weeks after that that we were one of the teams invited. I think it was eight teams that time. So it was like us and Boston and um, uh, Minnesota and uh, Texas, obviously, Rat City, um, Kansas City. We played. We played Kansas City at Bumberbout, and that was another never again. Because the following year they came in and won the first ever, uh, like WFTDA playoff championship yeah. after Dust yeah. Devil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they, yeah, we we were credited by them. I talked to Snot Rocket and one of their coaches, and and they were. They gave Madison props for for humiliating them at that tournament because they, <laughs> they went Young back to work lighting yep. a fire. Yeah. <laughs> so so then oh rankings. so so yeah so rankings. I guess the inspiration for the for the peer vote. So people like basically just they, we had like either a coach or a captain or some kind of representative from each league, like looked at the list of leagues that existed and ranked them like said like i think this one's the best and i think this one's the second best and like went down the list until there was no more and it was completely based on whatever you knew or didn't know about those teams so the incentive was to like really get to know and pay attention to what everybody else was doing which was really cool um people you know did their best to like keep up and uh we had just the beginning of um of sort of these like grassroots derby reporting happening where where like volunteers from leagues were text casting and and you know derby news network was just in its infancy maybe like in its conception around that time and um and so was flat track stats so these these systems by which we kept tabs on each other and sort of like found out about what everybody was doing uh, we're just getting started because there was suddenly a demand for people to like check in on what other leagues were doing. So in in a way, those kind of those two things kind of like played hand in hand, and that was really cool. So I guess the inspiration was because I guess I think some colleges do their they have like a, a coaches vote or something like that. Oh, I don't like, the big like I wasn't like that. You know, yeah. I yeah I was so the ULC which was the United Leagues Coalition before the Women's Flat Track Derby Association name was given to this organization. The ULC met in, uh, like, fall or winter of 2004, right after our league was born. Cracker Jack and a bunch of people got together in Milwaukee and talked about, you know, what the future of this sport could look like and sort of unified the the vision and the, the mission and the plan that everybody wanted to do going forward. And I think this, you know, I wasn't, in that room when this idea was proposed and agreed upon so i can't really speak to that but 
um, Ivana Spangin or Cracker Jack or like anybody, you know, Grace Kelly, any of the people in that room who talked about it could tell you more, especially with the people that have some college, college sports knowledge. Uh, Like, I don't know. I just know that that, there was something about like a peer vote that was borrowed from college sports. So yeah, it wasn't until 2011 that an alternative idea was proposed. And that was the first year that I made it to a WUFDA conference as a rep. Um, and, and Bonnie Thunders and OMG presented kind of a, a dual proposal to membership at the time that was like, hey, we kind of think that voting on tournaments is, is not really like up to, it's not, it's not producing the most competitive uh, brackets anymore. We should probably look at something that is like skills based. Well, and you had <laughs> you had a lot more leagues. Yeah. at that point. Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and to, yeah, and to be totally honest, people like we had so much growth, so much growth. For a moment, we had to like close membership to new applications because we just were like beyond being able to manage what we were at. And so realistically, like it was it was a great proposal that was probably long overdue. And it came in tandem with, so the, so it was pitched as a math-based ranking system. And, and we talked at great length about what that could mean. And, you know, that was the beginning of what produced what we have today, which is literally a math-based ranking system. And of course, we've tweaked the algorithm that produces those numbers um, a bunch over the years and, and decided like, you know, there should be a decay factor or there shouldn't, there should be, you know, more or less relevance to tournament games versus regular season games and you know that's that's been ongoing ever since this idea but yeah at one point we thought the best way to figure out who's the best is just vote <laughs> group consensus uh, yep. i think they look pretty good this year yep right. so yeah so the, the math based rankings was in tandem with uh maybe like geographical regions are kind of outdated too and that was the beginning of the end of north central east south central and west like United States based regions and the beginning of, you know, like international. Mm-hmm, yeah. And having a division that, uh, a divisional system where, uh, everyone just kind of rank and file in order. Yeah. yeah. Cause originally London, when we did have, uh, overseas, yeah. they, they fell into the East, Yeah, you know, We're and like, that was well, always very interesting. You're to on see. this side of the Mississippi river. So <laughs> you're officially on the <laughs> That's literally far, far, far East. Old timey designations, basically. Yeah. Based on that. So, uh, I'm curious then sort of, as those changes were happening, some of the other things we were discussing were just sort of like these major sea changes in how the game itself has been played that you've witnessed and had to adapt to over time. So, for instance, you know, like just the fact that um, we don't have minor penalties anymore or just the evolution of, I think the big one is just sort of the, the big change. You, there's a specific moment that you can recall where it went from being that fast game to the slower game where there were like people getting hit hit out and run back and eventually yeah. scrums and yeah. all that. And I, I, I would love to hear that story. Yeah, okay, so... Um, this is what inspired the trivia team name that Allie and I belong to at RollerCon this year, which is, um, we still blamed Allie Rocket. Um, Even though we love you, Dolly Rocket slash Danielle. Yeah. So <laughs> in, in telling this story, I have no, I have no like hard feelings or negative connotations at all, but this, but Dolly Rocket was an amazing skater, um, and, and had a very, uh, uh, attention getting style of play and it wasn't always good attention um but uh in 2000 
nine at uh, ECE, which is what we called East Coast Extravaganza at the time. We've been corrected ever since to call it East Coast <laughs> Derby Extravaganza, ECDX. But we just all call it ECE for short. The time, uh, Charm City was playing Rat. Rat. And, um, and Dolly Rocket, as an individual, kind of uh, adapted the style of play where she would knock somebody out and then stop skating. And then sometimes she would not just stop skating, but she would skate backwards. And never been done before. Never been done before. And people were fucking outraged. Like, <laughs> people went bonkers and thought it was the douchiest thing ever. And jammers that got knocked out were just like, what the fuck are you doing, you asshole? Like, just put, go. Like, skate forward. Play. And Dolly's like, no, you have to go in behind me. <laughs> you know and and well, she is, yeah, and it was a standoff and it was like okay fine i'll go behind you and then she you know she was a, an excellent skater and so she would just always come back and get in position and knock that person out over and over and over again it was infuriating uh you could see that the skaters that were playing against her were infuriated by it and people in the stands were infuriated by it because it just looked so different and it it appeared so unfair and so unlike everything that we had considered normal and acceptable and sportswoman like in the sport (laughs) and it was crazy like people's minds were blown and uh you know i think there was always a a close relationship between charm and denver i'm pretty sure there was actually like a full league to league derby wedding between all of charm and all of denver at some point in this same era and so (laughs) I'm not surprised at all to to draw the conclusion that um, that Denver took this Dolly Rocket individual flair and kind of adapted it as a team strategy because the champs in Philly in 2009, Denver did a really similar thing. They would knock people out and then stop and then draw them back. And they also kind of adapted the first real version that we had seen at that time of just stopping on the track and waiting for the jammer to hit and then and then bringing her down to zero miles per hour instead of skating along and being skating like being in motion when the jammer hit and using that shared momentum um to maintain and to gain an advantageous position they were the ones that really as a team stopped and forced people out and drew people back and the outrage continued. Like, people in the stands were so bummed. There was booing. Teams that participated in that tournament that were watching this happen booed their fellow roller derby players. Like, it was kind of crazy. Like, I don't know if everybody... I I know I was booing, and I was upset, and looking back, I kind of feel like maybe that was an overreaction on my part. (laughs) But, you know, I, I... I definitely related to people that were holding up signs that said this isn't stopper derby because it just felt like a, a moment where the ch- where watching the game felt very different than what we enjoyed about the sport. Like suddenly the speed aspect was very, very different. But at the same time, there were teams that were dominated by speed skaters up and coming. Like that was the big year of Oli and, um, you know, Rat City was still very much like populated by speed skaters, even with the departure um of the of the ponytail sisters and uh you know it it was that was a big shift um so between 2009 and 2010 
2010 was still very much a year of like people either choosing to adapt this style or like be kind of stubbornly still against it. But you can see if you look at the toe stops yeah, this is what I love. of all the teams, Joe Roller Fan put out a calendar that featured photos uh, from the 2010 season, including a few bank track pictures, uh, Team Legit was, was featured in there. There's a bunch of different pictures that were taken at Champs t- 2010, um, Uproar on the Lakeshore, hosted by Windy City. In the Chicago. U- yeah, the UIC Pavilion. Um, so you can see, if you look at all the different uh, teams and and zoom and zero in on the toe stops, you can tell which teams and which skaters on which teams were were starting to give a shit about using their toe stops and had gotten acquainted with knocking people out and then stopping instead of knocking people out and then continuing to skate forward. So the people who were using their toe stops clearly had these new big natural rubber bumpers on the front of their skates like these big clunky looking things and everybody else pretty much had the stock little black hard nuggets that came with their skate package whenever they bought it five years prior um and were just like duct taping the toes of their boots because that's what they used to stop like they would drag their toe and their toe stop wasn't there anymore so they would drag it a little further and use the top of their boot to stop themselves like a lot of skaters didn't even really turn stop to return to their bench that much at the end of the Mm -hmm. jam like it just wasn't a thing um plow stops were a thing like backwards skating wasn't really a thing so Mm -hmm. when you were trying to stop somebody or slow somebody down you either plow stopped or you learned how to get next to them and hit them off the track or hit them down like that's those were the primary focuses of the sport at the time so you can see who uh and that was the year that gumball toe stops were born by green monster roller sports like that was that was the year you could tell who was using them and who was starting to implement tight turnaround stops into their strategy and into their game. That Yeah, I, and I love just like, those little details that you can see and pick out. And, you know, the rest is history. Like, yeah. the game has continued to evolve since then. Yeah. Um, I think I think this is a good place to start winding it down. Okay. Um, I, we want to have you back again at some point, though, to get into, I'm ready. into more stuff, because there's all sorts of great uh, roller derby I'm history. Ready. I know, you've got lots of good <laughs> stories, and I really appreciate you taking the time. So, um, let's all give it up for Mouse. Woo! Yeah. Oh, jeez. On Clockwise Talking, <laughs> all the derby history. If you've got questions about specific things you'd like to know about um, derby history, derby past, any fun, any moments, uh, you can always hit us up. Again, it's uh, ssrollerderby at gmail.com. And let us know, and we'll tap our resident expert here, Mouse, to maybe answer some of those questions in the future. And we'll also bring in some other people from the wide derby world to, to talk about some of these history lessons as well over time. So thanks so much, Mouse. Thanks, thanks. for having me. Yay! The opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the people speaking them and do not reflect the opinions or policy of the Mad Roll and Dolls or the Women's Flat Track Derby Association. Special thanks go out to Lightning Slim for the Dear Hammer Abbey segment title, to Mouse for being one of modern roller derby's guiding lights, everyone involved in making RollerCon happen, our teammates, friends, and lovers who support this nonsense. Please do follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SSRollerDerby. Hit us up by email at ssrollerderby at gmail.com if you've got questions comments requests for advice or compliments that's cool too thanks for listening and remember don't hate roller skates